You know, you are allowed to question the Lord. You are allowed to come to Him with your big questions, whether those are big logical questions or big emotional questions or, or big questions about reality, about justice, about life. God can handle your questions. And in fact, the Bible, the stories of the Bible, it seems as if it, it, it invites us to do that, to ask the Lord, to come to Him with our grief, to come to Him with what really we are bearing within our hearts and not to just pretend as if everything is fine every time we're in front of Him and to tell Him what we think He wants to hear when in fact He already knows what is in our hearts. everyone, welcome to Not So Secular. My name is Mon Reyes, I'm a Catholic lay missionary here in the Philippines and I will be your host here today. A couple episodes back, I announced that we have put up a Ko-fi page. Ko-fi is one way for you listeners to support the work that we are doing here to keep it going as well as to allow it to improve. And I am happy to announce that we now have our very first supporter. His name is Louis. I am no longer going to announce his last name for the sake of privacy, but thank you, Louis, for believing in the work that we do here. He is a one-time supporter. And if you also find value in the things that we talk about here and the work that we do here, please do help us out by donating at ko-fi.com slash notsosecular. That's ko-fi.com slash not so secular. Thanks, Louis. I'd like to start this off by reading from Scripture. This is a bit long, so please bear with me, but there's a reason why I'm doing this. I promise it pays off. Our passage for today is going to come from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 to 14. And if you've been around Christian circles for quite a while, this might be a passage that you're already familiar with. In fact, this might be the only passage that you're familiar with from the book of Ecclesiastes. Or maybe not you, maybe someone that you know. And so it's a very popular portion, especially one of the verses here where it talks about how God has made everything beautiful in its time. Nevertheless, we're going to be reading from a bigger portion of the passage. I'll be reading from the New American Bible Revised Edition and so you could read along, you could look it up, or if you have that translation handy, you could read along. Or if you don't, or if you don't want to, you could just listen to me read the entire thing out loud. And so, let's lean in and let's pay attention. This is how it goes. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 to 14. There is an appointed time for everything, and the time for every affair under the heavens. A time to give birth and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot the plant. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to be far from embraces. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. What profit have workers from their toil? I have seen the business that God has given to mortals to be busied about. 
God has made everything appropriate to its time, but has put the timeless into their hearts so they cannot find out from beginning to end the work which God has done. I recognize that there is nothing better than to rejoice and to do well during life. Moreover, that all can eat and drink and enjoy the good of their toil, this is a gift of God. I recognize that whatever God does will endure forever. There is no adding to it or taking from it. Thus has God done that he may be revered. So, uh, a lot happened this month. In the beginning of July, I attended a baptism. I was ninong to one of my friend's kids. Well, he has one kid so far. He recently got married and they had their first child. This is a friend from community as well as from Don Bosco. Because if you didn't know yet, I attended Masters back in 2017, Masters in Religious Studies. And I was only there for one year. I had to pause and then I continued. After a while, I might talk about that later on in this episode. But that is when I first met him. So he, we were classmates during that time in Masters. And then I learned later on that he was a part of the feast as well, of our community. And um, yeah, that, that, was, that was wonderful. And just, just in the beginning of July, his first son, his first child was baptized and I was godfather. And so we attended the Mass together. We joined the baptism ceremony. It was beautiful. And after that, there was a time for eating, you know, the reception, yung kainan, which is common for us Filipinos. And it, it, it was such a good time. It was such a beautiful time. And I think this is the first ceremony, baptism ceremony that I attended um, after the series of lockdowns that took place during the pandemic. But you see, after that high point, after that happy celebration, um, the week after, or the day after, because this happened on a Sunday, the Monday after that, we learned that Katya's Lola, my wife, her Lola's uh, dad's side had just passed away. And that happened in, in the morning um, before, before the sun was up. And this Lola it was someone that we visited, you know, occasionally in the past months. And I, I'm, I'm glad, we're glad that at least we got to do that before, before she passed away. And so we were there for the entire week for the wake. We were in Manila Memorial. And, um, and that was an opportunity for me to get to meet some of her relatives, some of her titas who... Uh, it's funny because we're already married and um, I, this was the first time that I got to meet them because a lot of them lived abroad. And so that was a, that was a sad time mixed in with a, a, a bit of happy moments in between. And so we attended the funeral on the Friday of that week for Lola. A little after that, we had to attend another funeral. This time, the person wasn't related to us. Um, but still, you know, this, this, this experience takes a toll on you or, well, at least it took a toll on me. Um, Katya and I were talking about how we were getting tired of the cemetery because we were there multiple times last month, this month. Well, it's, it's August already, but I'm referring to, I'm referring to July. And, um, 
in between all of those, you know, the, the baptism and the two funerals that we attended, there were certain death anniversaries that we had in the family. We had three in particular. So there's Katya's lolo naman sa mom's side. Um, we remembered him for his 10th death anniversary. So that was also an opportunity for the family to get together. And within my side of the family, I also have my Lola and a younger sibling. And it's also all in in July. After that, so last week naman, we attended a wedding. This was Katya's cousin's wedding. And it was it was also a beautiful celebration, you know, not as, as big as the usual. I mean, in, in, in terms of the number of people. Um, it was still with mostly family and a handful of friends, and it was great. You know, we were very, we're very happy for them. But with all of these things that I'm describing right now, I think it's an understatement to say that, man, we were facing highs and lows one after, one after another, and um, it's tiring. It's it's happy and it's sad, and but. Both the happy moments and the sad moments were just tiring. So last week, naman, I I came from a retreat. So again, this is this is all happening in in July. Oh, sorry. So the wedding happened last last week, and then last week I attended a retreat. Well, I didn't attend the retreat. I was one of the people who facilitated the retreat, but we were there. We were there, and um, this was a retreat for the youth leaders in Mega Manila. So Mega Manila region, we have the different areas where you have. Um, Cavite and Laguna and Makati and Manila and Pasay and Ortigas. So you have the different areas in Mega Manila, the different feasts in Mega Manila. We gathered the youth heads and the youth missionaries and we gave them a retreat, you know. And um, it was during that retreat um, through through the talks that we were that we were hearing and the moments of prayer that we had and the communication, the conversations that I've had with people that I was able to acknowledge that I'm, I wasn't fine. I'm really not fine. And all things considered, I think it's normal to acknowledge that you're not fine. I mean, I'm not fine because of all of these things that were happening. I've been keeping myself busy, but I've been quite passive. You know, a lot of things to do. I've just been rolling with the punches, making sure that I get to submit the things that I need to submit. I get to meet the deadlines of those deadlines that I need to meet. But I've been quite passive about much other things aside from the things that I know I should do because, you know, that's what it means to be an adult. You have to do things even when you don't feel like it. And I also realized that it can be so easy to remain isolated. And this got me thinking about two very important parts of the Christian life, and that is joy and lament. You see, joy was one of the main themes of our retreat. And part of how we understand joy is that we are a resurrection people. We believe that Christ has rose from the grave, that the story does not end in Good Friday, and that there is good reason for us to hope that, they, that we actually have a true anchor that could help us stand firm even when 
bad things are happening around us. You see, joy, Christian joy, is different from pleasure, although pleasure could be a part of joy. It's quite different because pleasure is circumstantial. Pleasure depends on what you are feeling or seeing or hearing from someone. It depends on where you are and what you're doing. You derive pleasure from these things. But joy is different because even when you are going through tough times, even when you are going through hard times, this is how the church teaches us about joy, is that it is possible for us to still have joy. It is deeper. It's not, it's not mere shallow pleasure. And we, we understand joy as not just an emotion, but a disposition. And it is a disposition that understands suffering, not denies suffering, but understands suffering. It's a more mature state of, of, of being, basically. This is something that we see in the Apostle Paul. So in Philippians, one of the things that he says there so philippians is a letter that he wrote while he was in prison to the to the community of philippi because they sent him um this person to help him out as well as some goods and this was basically his thank you letter combined with some exhortation and what does he say he says rejoice in the lord always again i say rejoice this was a guy writing from prison to the community that was supporting him and he was telling them to rejoice, rejoice. And in fact, if you were to go to the New Testament, a lot of the other letters that Paul wrote was written from prison. Even the, one of the most popular passages that we have, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is also part of Philippians. That was also written from prison. And there... He wasn't saying that, like, I can do anything, like a motivational quote, you know, nothing can stop me and so on. Like, if I put my mind to it and Christ is with me, then nothing is impossible for me. Not in that sense, at least, when he said that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, what he says right before that is that he has experienced what it's like to have plenty and to have none. To have the happy times and the sad times, the bad times. And what he basically is saying when he said, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me is that I am able to endure and be content in my current circumstance. And even then, he found joy. So this is something that we see in the Apostle Paul. This is also something that we see in the Psalms. In Psalm chapter 66, it says, Shout joyfully to God, all the earth. Sing of his glorious name. Give him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome your deeds before your great strength. Your enemies cringe. All the earth falls in worship before you. They sing of you. Sing of your name. And this is the psalmist giving praises to the Lord because of who He is and what He's done. In fact, this passage is followed by an exhortation. Come and see. Come and hear all of these wonderful things that the Lord has done for His people and for the world. And you, you see these, these psalms of praise that express joy. And this is also something that we see in Jesus Himself. In fact, if we go to the Gospel of Luke, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, what does the angel of the Lord say? 
The angel of the Lord says, Do not be afraid, for behold, I proclaim to you good news. Good news of what? Good news of great joy that will be for all the people. This is the angel of the Lord speaking to the shepherds. Good news of great joy. Why? Because we have Jesus. Because we have Jesus. He also mentions joy a lot, Jesus himself, you know, in his teachings, especially in relation to the kingdom of God. He talks about joy there. You could do a quick search in Bible Gateway or Bible Hub or whatever Bible app you use. You could do a quick search of how many times Jesus mentions joy and in what context. How does he describe it? Again, this kind of joy is, is very profound because it's not rooted in denial. It's not pretentious. It's not false positivity that, that you know, um, acts as if nothing bad is happening. It fully acknowledges that sometimes, yes, there are very real times when bad things are happening, but this kind of joy comes with genuine acceptance and trust in Christ. Yes, the bad thing is happening, but I know that this bad thing is not the end. And I know who holds me and who holds the world in his hands. And that is the Lord. Joy is described as a fruit of the Spirit. We don't force ourselves to rejoice. Rather, we open our eyes to the truth that we have reason to rejoice. That when we have the Spirit within us and when we are participating with His presence, we know that this is not the end. This is not the end. We have reason for joy. This is something that Pope Francis emphasizes. He wrote Evangelii Gaudium, which means the joy of the gospel. The gospel comes with joy. Good news of great joy. And I'm going to reference a wonderful and very informative video from Bible Project also on the topic of joy. You can find that in the description. Joy is very central to our faith our walk as Christians. But at the same time, there is also lament. What is lament? I think most of us are more familiar with the joy and not enough of us are familiar with lament. Lament is a, it's, it's, it's how we approach God coming from a deep sense of grief and sorrow. To lament is to question and to protest. It's to come to the Lord with a heart of honesty. And this is what we find, something also that we find in the scriptures. You have Job, for example. He was someone who had so many things taken away from him. And he asks the Lord. At first, okay siya, but At first, he was approaching it, you know, as, as we often would view things. Um, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. That's from Job. And he acknowledges it with, with this um, sort of disposition of peace. And that's wonderful. That's, that is one way that we can approach the sufferings that we face in life. But at the same time, we find Job being exposed to all of these different hardships. And even his friends turn on him. And later on in the story, we find Job asking the Lord himself, What the heck is happening? Why is this happening? Like, Lord, help me make sense of these things. And the Lord answers him. The Lord doesn't answer his question, you know, um, in a straightforward manner as if this is the reason why and so on. Instead, the Lord tells Job, he affirms that Job, you can trust in me and that I know what you are going through. 
So lamenting is something that we find in Job. It is also something that we find in Habakkuk. Habakkuk is one of those Old Testament books that maybe, you know, we just slip by. We, we don't really read it, <laughs> but I hope you do. But the point of Habakkuk is, is to ask the Lord, what is happening to your people? There is a hunger for justice. The author is, is looking around him and seeing good people, bad things happening to good people and good things happening to bad people. And why is this happening? Why does it seem like society is not straight? It's crooked. Why does life seem unfair? These are the questions that are being raised by the prophet Habakkuk. And how the Lord responds to Habakkuk is, is, is what we see in that book. And I would recommend that you read it also for yourself. In the same way that we have psalms of praise, we also have psalms of lament. We have in Psalm 13, for example, the psalmist asks, How long, Lord, will you utterly forget me? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I carry sorrow in my soul, grief in my heart day after day? How long will my enemy triumph over me? And you see, you know, you see in this psalm this sadness and this questioning. You know, you are allowed to question the Lord. You are allowed to come to Him with your big questions, whether those are big logical questions or big emotional questions or, or big questions about reality, about justice, about life. God can handle your questions. And in fact, the Bible, the stories of the Bible, it seems as if it, it, it invites us to do that, to ask the Lord, to come to Him with our grief, to come to Him with what really we are bearing within our hearts and not to just pretend as if everything is fine every time we're in front of Him and to tell Him what we think He wants to hear when in fact He already knows what is in our hearts. This is what Jesus says, diba? Right before the Lord's Prayer in the Gospel of Matthew. God already knows what you need. And so pray. Pray honestly. Tell Him. Because when we try to hide things from Him, it's not Him that we're fooling, it's ourselves. And with Jesus, this is something that we see in Jesus. In Jesus, in John chapter 11, when he, when he found out that Lazarus, one of his friends, had died, although he knew that he was going to raise him back up, we find the shortest verse in all of the Bible. We find how Jesus wept. Yes, he knew what he had in store for Lazarus. And yet, we can still acknowledge the pain of the here and the now. And this is something that we can apply, you know, when, when we have one of our loved ones pass away. Yes, of course, we pray that they find that, that they find themselves to be with the Lord now that they've passed away and that we will meet one another again at the end of days in the final judgment. And But still, even though we know these things, even though we hope for these things, it's still possible for us to grieve, to be sad, to mourn their loss. And there's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with talking to God about these things. In fact, Jesus himself did it in the Garden of Gethsemane as he was about to face his passion and his crucifixion. Jesus was talking to the Lord, to his Father, asking, is this the way? and surrendering to Him ultimately. We find Psalm 22, something that He quotes when He was hanging on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
the full version of that, like I said, is in Psalm 22, and you could read it for yourself. I'm, I'm mentioning a lot of passages. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put them on the description for reference for your reference later on. But you see, we we are being shown that it's okay. It's okay to be sad before God. In fact, sadness is natural. Sadness is normal. Sadness is a natural reaction to loss, whether we lost someone or lost something. And maybe that something is a part of ourselves. It's normal. In fact, what would not be normal is if you were going through a tough time, if you were going through suffering and you were happy about it. This is the part where it gets confusing. So, what is it? Do I lament or do I praise? Do I find joy in the midst of my suffering or do I question God? And that is also where I find myself right now. <laughs> in, in, in times of pain and suffering, when is it right to rejoice and when is it right to lament? And I'm not saying that those two things are exclusive to one another as if they can't coexist. I, I think they can in some way. But this is, this is a part of where I am right now and this is a part of the things that I'm... I'm I'm trying to figure out. I'm trying to wrestle with. I don't know for sure. But I think it has something to do with Ecclesiastes chapter 3, which is why I decided to open with that passage. I think there's value in reminding ourselves that God is a being. He is not just some problem to be solved or some concept to be figured out. He is someone to be encountered. Israel, God's covenant people. That's their name, right? The name Israel means to wrestle with God. And that's what Jacob did. And Jacob is someone who had been through a lot. Israel, the name of God's covenant people, means to wrestle with God. And I believe that this is something that we are also being invited to do. To wrestle with the Lord with our questions, with our pain, with our hurts, with our traumas with our anxieties. We don't fall into despair because we know that we have good reason for joy, we have good reason for hope, and yet, within that joy and within that hope, we can come forth and approach the Lord and be honest and be true and allow Him to speak to our lives, allow Him to speak to our circumstances, allow Him to speak to our experience. And basically, the point of this entire episode is, is also for, this is not going to be one of those episodes that is more, you know, clean and everything's figured out. These are the lessons. These are the things that are important to understand and know and so on. This is me contending. This is me also trying to wrestle with the Lord. And I figured that there might be some value in involving you who are listening to this as well. And my invitation for you as we draw this to a close is... Well, it's these three things, you know. First is be honest in your prayer. The second thing is connect with people, especially people who allows you to see things that you wouldn't notice yourself. That's very important. And the third is to listen both to the Lord and to those whom He sends your way. And I pray that you know, whether you are right now in a time of lament, in a time of joy, that we be aware, you be aware of God's presence in your life, how He works in your life, and that we be aligned 
to what it is that He is trying to accomplish within us and through us. And so that wraps up our episode for today. If you want to get further connected, you can find the link to our Facebook group, Not So Secular Discussions and Questions, in the description. And again, do help us out by giving on ko-fi.com slash notsosecular. That's ko-fi.com slash notsosecular. Help us out. That will go a long way. And it would be super great if you could share this episode to someone whom you think might need it as well. Thank you very much for listening all the way through. And I'll see you next episode. Bye, everyone.